Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. You're listening to the Hockey Podcast Network. New shows every day. Find us at thehockeypodcastnetwork.com or wherever you get your podcasts from. Redo now. That's the first fuck up you've had in a while. I guess I've just been on vacation. All right. Hello, you're listening to the Hockey Podcast Network. I'm Corey, a.k.a. Bayou Benders, alongside Mason Dixon, and this is Habs Nightly, your hub for Habs content. a delayed episode of Habs Nightly. I got back very late last night and I didn't want to keep this old man waiting too long. So we had Mason go to bed a little early. That way he can get rested and ready for whatever the day had brought him. But anyway, Mason, how are you, Buzz? I'm pretty good. Jesus Christ. I'm pretty pretty good. good. Go to the sauce. No, I was I was just mocking Corey for his first intro and just fumbled my own because of I'm it. I'm keeping so it. It'll be in there. That That'll kind of sucks. Of no. my, oh yeah, the, uh, my, my name's Corey, I, oh, aka Bob. Bu- bu- <laughs> I know. Bye. <laughs> this is what Habs Nightly has succumbed to. Um, Welcome to no, the I've been pretty good. Yeah, this is the off season. This is what we do when there is no playoff hockey uh, to be had, except for, of course, some phenomenal series in Canada and in Missouri and Colorado. But we'll get to that later because first and foremost, I want to know, Corey, how was your vacation, buddy? Well deserved time off right now. Oh, and it's you fantastic! Odd country. Yeah, dude. Ah, uh, so I basically. Uh, I got off of work. I had to work the Bayou Boogaloo, as we talked about last episode, which was horrible. Uh, It stormed. Me and my cousin got trapped in uh, the fucking tractor trailer. And it was fucked up because we just got food. So we're in the tractor trailer eating and it starts storming. So we had to roll the fucking windows up. But we couldn't turn the truck on because people would freak the fuck out thinking we were leaving because the tent is like engulfed in the truck. 
So it's just hot boxing and it's just fucking disgusting. It's torrential rainfall. Um, so I'm, I'm just trying to eat a po' boy sweating my ass off. Don't recommend it. It was fucking horrible. It, it like made the food not good. But anyway, I get off of work. 1030, drive back to my house. Just call it 11. I fucking go home. I started feeling like absolute shit. I fucking threw up, took a five minute rest. And then me and my wife drove five hours north. Um, and we just followed a storm basically. And it was sick because it was no traffic because it was just a bad, bad storm in front of us. And we left at a perfect time. Otherwise we would have just been in the storm the whole time, but we got up there like five, 5 AM somewhere around there. got home. I mean, literally got up there, went to bed, woke up pretty early in the morning and drove fucking two hours to Natchitoches, Louisiana. Well, right outside of Natchitoches, uh, closer to Leesville, if anybody knows what the fuck that is. And we went into the Castachi Nature, uh, I don't know, preserve, I guess. I don't know what the fuck it's called. But it's it's a reservation, you know, for wildlife and shit. And it has some of the sickest fucking trails. Big hiker. Uh, despite Wait, the weight. Sorry, it's a reserve? Yeah. So, like, uh, like. Like when you say a reserve, do you mean like, like a national park or like, like a reserve for me is like, like with native reserves. Yeah. Yeah. Natives. I'm sorry. Uh, no. So like a national park, we call them, uh, reserves down here as well. Okay. Uh, There's a couple of names for them, but it is off of, uh, native land. Um, which is cool. Um, I don't, I don't know the tales of it. I don't, I don't want to be a bigot or undermine any people of uh, the natives, but we were on their land or once their land that has now turned into a national uh, wildlife protected forest uh, to preserve what is left of the beauty of the Americas. And so is this... Is this like in the swamps or is this like... No, 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 no. So, so the swamps are where like we live. And basically as you're driving from New Orleans to where my wife lives, uh, well, where my wife is from in Jonesboro, you go from the swamplands uh, and the marshes, then it turns to like your, your really thick brackish water and then it goes to hills. So, okay. uh, so basically this trail in Natchitoches or right outside of it was very hilly. Um, it, was, it was very beautiful. A lot of wildlife. There's uh, Louisiana black bears out there, coyotes, shitloads of fucking beautiful birds, deer, hogs. Um, I'm sure there's other shit I'm missing, but it was, it was breathtaking. I love, I love walks like this. Um, and this one was, this one was, I, I don't want to say difficult, uh, because I've walked somewhere, it was just mainly fucking like big rocks, and that's what you had to walk on. But um, it took you up onto these nice like overlooks. Wouldn't call them cliffs, but nice overlooks that had like um, like stone steps going up it, um, which was pretty sick. So did about a two mile two mile hike. You know, I, I'm no <laughs> I'm no fucking master of it, but I do enjoy it. I, I do 
love to work out despite my size. But yeah, I walked a couple of trails, dude. Um, one of them was cool. It felt like I was in fucking like Skyrim, dude. Um, and the reason I bring that up is because you, you walk up this big ass fucking stair set and you go to top the top of this overlook. And then if you go to the edge of the overlook, you can sit or whatever. But if you look down, it kind of drops about five, six feet. And then it's another, I don't want to say overlook, but it's, it's basically what's left of, I guess, the rock that had broken away and it's a flat point and there's a small, um, hmm, there's a small campfire set up and the rocks are kind of eroded to make like seats almost. And it's all because of the way the water uh, runs it turns into like a natural waterfall at some points of the year so the water i mean the rocks have been eroded they're kind of smooth and it's like really easy sitting areas and there's a huge chunk of the i guess the overlook that had broken off and it's sitting right there on the edge but it's secure it's too fucking heavy you couldn't really push it and there's not enough you don't you wouldn't have enough space to get the leverage to push it off so it's like another really good sitting spot so um, you're just on this overlook looking down and there's a campfire going, uh, fantastic. Honestly, wish I was on any type of drug. It would have been peak fucking, uh, college Corey going on, but I enjoyed that. We left there, went up the road a little bit, walked, uh, shouldn't have walked it, but we went through a Creek bed. It's been raining. So the sand was really tilled and, uh, it was, <laughs> It got real tough to walk through because it was just sinking so fucking much. But I uh, walked probably another two miles through that, which was beautiful. You can find arrowheads and and uh, bits of, I don't want to call them gems and shit, but, you know, you can find some really nice stone in there. Um, and then after that, we drove a little bit more. This is all day one. Found this really sick lake or, no, it's not a lake. I'd call it like a very massive pond, like, it's borderline a fucking lake at this point. Uh, fished out of there for a little bit. Didn't catch shit. I was more or less just over it. It's too fucking tired. The fucking bird hawks out there. Uh, <laughs> these motherfucking uh, horse flies were just massive. I just went in the car, started watching. You uh, call went- them bird hawks? <laughs> no, it's just mean they were so fucking big. You know, they might as well have been like a fucking bird itself. Isn't it? Uh, it's already horse fly season down there, eh? Horse fly, deer fly, dude. Oh, fuck that. So man. we, you know, uh, my wife's family has like five acres on their land. Uh, so we take the golf cart. She's got a pond on her land. In fact, if there's anybody that likes music or anything like that, uh, it's a rumor, but we know he did swim there. But apparently, if you know who Jimmy Davis is, he was a, a governor of Louisiana. Um, the guy who made the song You Are My Sunshine was baptized in their pond. It's been there. It's it's a it's a it's not a man-made pond, but it's a pond on their fucking uh on their property that has not the biggest bass. I say the biggest bass you can catch in that is probably a two and a half, three pounder. Um, but it's, it's got life in it and shit, you know, and, and that was a place where Jimmy Davis used to, he grew up in that area and that was the pond as a kid, he would go in. So, uh, oh. 
you know, in between us going out and stuff, we'll go take the golf cart. And my wife shows me the wood she grew up walking through and shit. And we always go to the pond. She smokes a blunt. Uh, I throw the rod out a little bit, <laughs> you know, fucking just have a day out of it. Uh, but that's all day one, dude. Passed out when I got home. Uh, day two, kind of big chilled. Uh, learned how to throw a bait caster. Fire. Fire at that now. I throw side uh, from the side. I guess it's a left-handed thing that I'm just getting used to. Uh, so I'm deadly with that. Uh, let's see what else. We went to Caney Lake, which is. What like, kind of what kind of rod do you have? Uh, so the rod I was gifted by my stepdad this year was it's an ugly stick. Yes. Ugly stick. Ugly stick. It's gorgeous. Gorgeous piece. Um, and. Fuck, I want to grab the reel, but I don't want to walk away because it's just going to sound horrible on the audio. <laughs> no, but, that's um, not good. Uh, sick Japanese brand reel that my stepfather loves. Um, but forgot it. Forgot it going out there. We were in such a rush to leave. So my father-in-law gave me one of his old uh, bait casters and this one of his old pulls. I don't know what the fuck it is. Still sitting in my car. Um, but played around with that, had a lot of fun with it. I feel like I could, I could run a little mock with that thing. Uh, yeah. So we go to Caney Lake, had some fresh catfish, uh, and white perch fried up with some hush puppies and French fries. Uh, it was raining a little bit, so we didn't, re- we didn't really get to throw out on the, on the lake. The lake's, uh, a man-made lake out there and it's, where you can catch some of the biggest like Louisiana record fish out there. Some of the biggest bass ever caught was, uh, was caught off, off in Caney Lake. And really? her grandfather lives a house away from it. Like the wow. house is in front of the houses in front of him are on the lake. Like, like open your back door, walk down your steps, cast Beautiful. Beautiful. I love that, but it also pisses me off because when it's all when you talk to like an old person who has this beautiful fucking lake house, and they're like, "Oh, I paid four raspberries and a dime for this house." You want to know how much they paid for it? How much they paid for the land? Not like probably like fucking ten thousand dollars or something ridiculous. Sixteen thousand dollars. Yeah, for a quarter of the block, it's just ridiculous. And now, now I'm I'm gonna be a fuck. I could be a lawyer splitting a fucking <laughs> with roommates. Like it's it's just utterly ridiculous, dude. Fantastic. And when they but got sorry, there, continue continue with your story. Yeah, cause... no, no, no. So uh, we couldn't fish that day, so we ate fish. Huh? Uh, so we, we hung out with our grandparents, cool fucking people, love them. No signal, no fucking signal though there. Like when you're out there, you better love fishing or playing cards or watching nothing on television. Uh, so I had no signal, <laughs> but I didn't need it. Cause I love, I love spending time with them. Uh, we play this card game. I know. I don't want to say Canadians love their card games, but hockey players love their card games. Uh, we played this game called Cadillac. And 
maybe we can explain it another episode when we have even less shit to talk about. Uh, but Cadillac is a fun fucking game that I brought down to Southern Louisiana. And now my whole group plays it. It's basically just uh, you play with $3, you know, throw your cards out and you just keep, you know, whoever wins gets, you know, however many plus three. Well, you know, how, however many whatever's of three you have planned. But uh, played card games until it was time to roll. My wife went and saw some of her friends and me and her dad, once it cleared up a little bit, he uh, he went magnet fishing off the road well off the bridge because it's it's like uh it's like a bridge that separates the two halves of the lake um so he went magnet fishing and i was i was uh throwing a bait caster out a little bit didn't really buy anything but it was still fun nonetheless uh we did leave though because of the fucking uh because of the the fucking flies dude they're mad out there they're mad right now um so we left and then he was like you know what Corey? It was supposed to rain 100% all four days that we were there, and it only rained a little bit that day. So he's like, tomorrow morning, let's see where we're at. We'll recollect, and we'll see if we can get out here in Caney Lake. He's got a little uh, – one of those little bass boats, you know what I'm talking about? The uh, the ones that the looks like the pros are using, you know, like uh, – I forgot. I forgot a li- you got a little bass boat? The little bass boat, you know what I'm talking about? So we've uh, got, got a nice boat, is what you're saying. Yeah. I forgot what the fuck those specific ones are called. But um, it's the ones where it's like, there's, there's, it's basically all deck. Like, here's your fucking seat. Here's where you drive. I honestly, I just it. call it, I call it a bass boat. Okay. Well, I'm I sure someone out there knows what the fuck I'm talking about. That's what he's got. I think it's like a, an angler's boat or whatever. Anyway. Uh, I wake up in the morning. It is fucking storming, dog. It's storming. Uh, and it's the last day there. And I was like, you know what? That's all right. Uh, it's no big deal. And then it clears up, but it stormed so hard. Uh, it stormed just enough to where we couldn't get the trailer from out the back of the lot. Oh. And it's, it's all right because, <coughs> you know, I'll go out there again. Have a good time again. But uh, no, uh, instead, we drove the golf cart through not their land, but um, there's a lot of outlooks out, out where they're from. Uh, like basically, they live out in the sticks, and there's all these little rock roads you can go down, and they lead to um, lookout points and shit like that. And we just rode around with the dog. Um, and then, so it, it's, it's a logging community. So um, you know, one year you go out there and it's just beautiful, tall ass trees. And the next it's all cut down and it looks like shit. Um, but what I love about their community is that when they do that, they have to plant, uh, more trees. So you come back in like, uh, two years in that same place that it sucked that it was all cut down, but you could see like this, you know, you can see hills that you've never seen before because it's just so overrun with trees. Uh, you can see the life coming back, you know, so they, they can't hit, they can hit the spot, but they can't hit that spot again for like, let's say 10 years. Yeah. It's the same way up here. Yeah. So you can't, there's um, Southern Ontario. 
there used to be a lot of old grove forest mm -hmm. and old grove woods are like walnut chestnut oak mm -hmm. and when the british came here walnut chestnut and oak make really good ships <laughs> so <laughs> a lot of that old grove forest was cut mm -hmm. down just clear cut where i am right now is used to be an old grove forest where i live and it's all farmland and plains but in canada now at least in southern ontario specifically old grove woods are completely untouchable you cannot what is what is what little is remaining you are not allowed to touch and it is beautiful like you said you go there and you're just in awe and when they uh when they clear cut they can't I don't know if you have this down there in Louisiana. I assume it's not the biggest logging. I assume the logging industry isn't massive in Canada, anywhere in Canada it is. You can go to like old forests where they used to, to chop like clear cut, you know, mm -hmm. and there's rules now that you can't just, if you, you have, when you replant, you have to replant like with some biodiversity so different kinds of trees and they, mm -hmm. they can't line and if you go to these before those rules are made it's these pine trees or these spruce mm -hmm. trees and they're all in lines <laughs> pure <laughs> yeah in like straight <laughs> lines it's the weirdest thing yeah no that's how it is up there they do pine uh i believe it's pine or oak um it, it actually might be oak but yeah um it's crazy. You can see like where it's people's land and then you can see where the town or government own the land because it's just fucking trees standing in line. <laughs> well, it's, it's so, beautiful. It's nonetheless. So no, it's, it, so it's unnatural. absolutely unnatural. Um, but yeah, that was my trip, dude. And then we came, we, I waited till her mother got Ooh. off of work. We hung out with her for a little bit and then we headed home. Uh, and it was probably the fastest ride home I've ever had. And we listened to 90s country, 80s and 90s country, best country. Uh, and that was it, dude. Got home. Uh, and ever since, dude, I've just been big chilling. Got a couple more days off, but I'm just really trying to relax uh, because work's fucked right now. Uh, <laughs> work's proven. I can imagine. But no, dude, thank you for letting me uh, <clears throat> tell y'all what I did on my time off. Uh, it was real sick. I mean, the second day, I don't really remember doing too much the second day. Uh, her dad loves history. So do I. I minored in it in college. Uh, so we, we watch like a lot of war movies and, and just kind of like have good old, con you know, conversations and shit like that. And we'll go outside oh, and we'll sh shoot some fucking do I have a story for you. Yeah. Podcast worthy or is it? You bring up war movies. Sorry. Mm -hmm. Yeah. What's up? Oh my God. Like while you were gone, as you guys know, I, I was sick for like three weeks. I got hit with like the fucking plague or something. I don't know. The plague. <clears throat> um, the plague and finally i promised my girlfriend we'll have we'll watch a movie and i we were looking on netflix because like i've got i've got a strong list on netflix now stuff i need to watch mm -hmm. and i hadn't watched 1917 yet <laughs> have you seen it oh it's fantastic we talked about it off air uh before i left 
Like you, you yeah, hadn't seen um, it yet, but you were like, yeah, we're about to watch this. Oh, my God. Because I, I remember when it came out and it was on trailers, like on TV and stuff. Mm-hmm. It looked amazing. The story, like World War One, especially for Canada, because, you know, we didn't sit it out. Um, <laughs> uh, it, it's one of the one of the more forgotten about events in history. Canada actually had a much lost more soldiers in World War One than we did in World War Two. And just, you know, the stories that can bravery that come from it. Mm-hmm. Vimy Ridge, like there's a bunch of historical events that happened for Canada in that war. And not only the story, but the cinematography, like I was blown away. And for those of you who don't know or haven't seen the movie, Corey, how would you, it's filmed. This is how I, you can correct me if you have a different interpret, like it's filmed to look like it was shot in one take. Like there's no cutaway. You know what I mean? Like it's just, yeah, it, it, it's almost as if like, I don't want to say it, I don't want to say it's like Cloverfield, but it's like the if you paid millions to make like the movie Cloverfield, like it's like you can it feels like you're just on the shoulder of the cameraman, like like it feels like the cameraman's following them, mm-hmm. and if something happens away from the camera and it's not in the immediate line of sight, they don't show it. <laughs> There's no cutaways. <laughs> Yeah. Like you have this perspective and this perspective it's alone. It's like it's like playing a game, but it's on rails. Like you can only look forward. So whatever is in your direct sight is what you get. And it's but, just like it's incredible. Like I I think we had this discussion before where I said Shawshank might is like the best movie I've ever watched. And I genuinely may have a new. Like, it blew my mind. It was just think, so beautifully filmed. I think and, 1917 sorry. would probably be one of those really, like, one of those films you have to see it. Like, when it when it gets re-shown in theaters, because, like, I'm sure, like, the effects that, uh, you know, of, like, if you, if you watch it with your headphones on, like, to hear, like, the shit in your peripheral is probably, like, so, like, oh it just God. probably adds to, like, uh, the intensity of the film. Um, that you can't just get and, watching it in front of you, you know. And the scene, there's a scene where they're about to go. Uh, I forget, fuck, what's it called? They're about to go over, which means they're about to um, hop out of the trench mm-hmm. and charge, you know, charge through an open field through machine gun fire, mm-hmm. and he's the whole point of the movie he's trying to relay a message that to cancel the attack because this is before radio and they're walking into a trap mm-hmm. and he gets there just there and he's running oh, oh, and over like right in front of the trenches they're all coming up and over and charging through beside him and it's one continuous shot and that might be the greatest scene in any movie like it was just i was i was genuinely speech like my my mouth was open like jaw dropped just wow because this movie was so beautiful and like i know it's we need to start talking hockey here soon but it just blew my mind incredible movie i'm probably gonna watch it again like in the next few days I no, saw I'm, I'm glad week. you i'm glad you brought it mind. up that it's on netflix because i just gave my father-in-law my netflix account 
don't kill me netflix uh and don't make me well, pay it's, on more. Ne- it's on netflix it's on netflix canada oh god i gotta find out if i got it if it is he hasn't seen it yet and i was i was telling him it's like it's it's gonna be one of his new favorites um it's it's just oh, pretty fun but yeah let's uh let's get a little hockey going uh thank y'all fans for letting us talk but before we get into any hockey news hopefully you guys are making some money while we talk about uh walks and uh war movies but uh folks uh DraftKings always has you guys covered so hockey fans the pursuit for the stanley cup is on and DraftKings sportsbook an official sports betting partner of the nhl and our favorite has an unbelievable offer for the most exciting playoffs in sports New customers can bet $5 on any team to win and get $100 in free bets, no matter what, that's win or lose. Looking to turn a small bet into a big payday during playoffs? With DraftKings' same game parlays, you can do just that. All you got to do is create your own parlay by combining multiple bets, like which team will win, how many goals will be scored, and more. It's your shot and an even bigger payout. DraftKings is safe, secure, and reliable. Best of all, you can deposit and withdraw your cash whenever you want, so it just makes it that much better. Folks, download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use promo code THPN at $5 on any NHL team to win and get $100 in free bets no matter what. That's promo code THPN at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NHL. Minimum age and eligibility restrictions apply. See the show notes for details. So uh, thank you all uh, for letting us rant a little bit about non-Habs topic, non-hockey related shit. Uh, But it's really not much going on for the Canadians. Um, I did see one cool thing. You guys are on Twitter and you're part of the Habs community. You've probably seen a guy named Marco D. uh, Demico. Ademico, thank you, Marco. <laughs> Marco, Marco uh, yeah, I'm not gonna try it again. Uh, he sat down, actually. Well, probably not in person, but had a chat with uh, our beloved, probably overall first draft pick, Shane Wright, um, and got to you know just got to talk to him a little bit. Uh, some of the things he talked about, the 18-year-old center spoke at length about his desire to be selected number one, which is awesome because, you know, why not be the best but have the determination to want to be the first one to go overall. Uh, how he feels about the winning culture. Uh, and then, like, Marco didn't really shy away from asking him big shit. Like, uh, you know, his this past draft year and, you know, he um, – Shane Wright said, you know, pointed out uh, his dis- he was disappointed in his first the first half uh, of his play for the Kingston Fontenacs. Uh, he said after coming back from 18 months of inactivity, um, he said he struggled early on to find consistency, which, like I said, completely understand. We said it before, and I think that's why this first group is going to be so crazy because you know what they're capable of if you looked in the past and then they had a whole year off, you can't really be like, Oh, he, you know, he's not living up to it or 
you, you can't really judge whether or not it's going to be a dud. And I'm just not saying he is, but it, it's if you're analytics, you're kind of like, fuck, this is kind of well, fishing in the dark, no light. Well, and there's a reason I think it should be overlooked. And I don't think it's been talked, spoken about enough because it was predictable. And I think many people did predict this. There is a reason why so many European and American-born players are at the top of this draft, and especially the European-born guys. Oh, yeah? Yes, there are some phenomenal European prospects. Sorry, can you hear me? Yeah, I can hear you. If okay, you perfect. Hear, Sorry, I wasn't sure if I was going robot mace. Just keep going. <laughs> um, sorry about that. There's a reason that there's so many European guys this high up. And there are guys like Simon Nemich and David Jiracek who, yes, they were going to be good. Slavkovsky was going to be a good player. There's a lot of European guys, though. Marco Kasper from Austria. Brad Lambert. There's a lot of them. And there's a lot of Americans. There are very few Canadians at the top of this draft. And that is because, yes, the tides are shifting. Canada is going to be number one in hockey for a while, but we're not going to, it's not 90% Canadian players in the NHL anymore. Mm -hmm. However, it's also because Canadian players played less hockey than any other age group. And I know last year it was spoken a lot about how, oh, this draft is going to be affected due to COVID. I think this draft is more significantly affected. Personally, I think Mm -hmm. it's kind of not about enough. These guys didn't get to play their rookie year, which is a big developmental year. And then they were just shot into this league. It's, it's a big step for them. Um, Expected to perform at, you know, incredible levels. Look, a lot of rookies in this quote unquote rookies, first year OHL, CHL players underperformed what was expected of them. And I think, yes, there's something to be said about the quality of the European and American prospects. But I do think that, you know, it's no coincidence that this draft is top heavy with European and American born players. So that being said, the fact that Shane Wright is still number one after everything he's had to go through and the fact that he's able to acknowledge that, yeah, he, he struggled. He did. He struggled a lot. I, it just makes me ever more confident that he is going to be a number one center or mm-hmm. at least a number two center, like just a phenomenal player for the Montreal Canadiens. No, I think you're absolutely right. And LOL. Uh, the way I see it is, is just like what you're saying. I didn't look into it that far, but I was like, if I'm looking at anything, the common man can see you know, they lost so much time of their development and showing and showcasing for this draft for him to come out basically fresh legged, what well, will really rusty. Um, and then to finish out the season as dominant as he was on, like the pace he was on, all that proves is that this kid now, granted it's a step up. We'll see how it goes. Sorry if you heard that. It proves that this kid can fight the, the adversity against him and still have a chance to find his game. And if he finds his game, you have a great player and I don't see a better test than the test of not playing during COVID coming back 
refining your bearings and then putting on a phenomenal end to your season. And then uh, in Marco's, in Marco's article also, folks, I'm sorry, I didn't, I didn't point this out. You can find this article on MTL hockey. Now I'm sure you guys are already big supporters of that, but uh, I don't follow, you know, these young guys like that. I, it's just not real. It's, I say it all the time. It's kind of hard for me to follow so far away, so far removed from, you know, being able to see this. But as I, as I read this, as coach uh, Luca Caputi, um, they didn't really give him in the beginning. I mean, it, it didn't change that much towards the end. He found a way to get it done, but uh, they didn't really just go, like he said, maximum offensive output for him. He was, put in between two rookies in the OHL, which is uh, Paul Ludwinski and Matthew Soto. He had him on his, he had him on his wings for the first half of the season. And then what they did was not only is he a, you know, being a playing a mentor to these young kids, fucking kids, he's a kid too, but he he's doing a mentor role. They put him up against some of, like he said, uh, uh, more of the best lines of the opposition team giving him a chance to play, you know, um, or at least put more attention on the defensive side of his game. And uh, to compensate, he says, to compensate for the learning curve of his younger teammates. So even with the slowest start that we're seeing, I think it's pretty badass. If you, if you go and read this and read about this, he's got two rookies on his side. You probably already fucking know that, but to put him up against the better, the better lines, and give him a chance to see maybe where he's got to develop a little bit more to get ready for the NHL and play a defensive game or at least see it in that aspect. I think that's pretty badass of a coach to really lean on uh, someone who, you know, for the most part, everyone believes is going to go first overall. Instead of just giving him the wheels and just saying, go score your fucking heart out, here's some fucking, here's something you're not used to. Here's a fucking a wrench in the road. Well, I think. A, Go ahead. It's, it's, it speaks a lot to Shane, right? Not only as like his style, his style, you know, it speaks to how he plays the game, mm-hmm. but also to his character. But in terms of how he plays the game, you know, he is a team player. That's what he does. Like Shane, right? The only thing flashy about him is his shot. And the way he plays the game is utilizing his teammates, being smart, knowing where to go, knowing where people are going to go, knowing how that puck is going to bounce there and how it's going to open up space. He thinks four or five plays ahead. That's what makes Shane Wright so good. So, you know, yes, he could have scored more points this season. Yes, he could have been utilized in a way that would have made him score more points this season. But if anything, if you're a Habs fan, you should be happy at the way he's been utilized in Kingston this year used as kind of this, you know, to uplift the rest of his team because that's what he's going to do in the NHL and that's what's going to make him successful. No. And you may think, okay. Yeah, Yeah, like you may, you may hear that and it doesn't sound as great. You want a Connor McDavid. (laughs) You want a Nathan McKinn. Those guys are flashy. But what, you know, what has made Sidney Crosby successful at the start of his career? He absolutely was more talented than everyone else. <laughs> and he was flashy and he still does flashy things, but 
he gets a hundred points with guys like Chris Kunitz or Pascal Dupuis. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? The laundry list of third, second line guys that Crosby has made a lot, <laughs> a lot <laughs> of money for. It, it, it's a couple pages, <laughs> you know, like mm-hmm. he uplifts his teammates. Another center who is going to be a Hall of Famer, realistically, and you may not speak about a lot, has never really been spoken about a lot, is one of the best, has been consistently one of the best centers in the league since he entered the league, Nicholas Backstrom. Yeah. Yes, played with Ovi. But are you telling me you'd be disappointed if Shane Wright turns into a prime Nicholas Backstrom? One of the best passers, one of the best playmakers of his generation. Like, that's the kind of guy I, mm-hmm. I know it's not a great, it's not a perfect comparison with Backstrom. Backstrom is, you know, a phenomenal passer, but this is a guy who, who is still averaging a point per game at 34. He had a little bit of a down year, 31 and 47 this year, had 53 and 55. He also last missed year. a lot of time. So, but no, yeah, he's, he's, he's been he's, on, I mean, fuck, he, everyone knows what he's like, you know what you're getting with him, you know? Absolutely. Um, it's the same with Shane Wright. Consistency. You know what you're going to get. And I like, I do, I've heard the Patrice Bergeron pair comparisons and I do agree to an extent. I don't think Shane Wright has that sort of defensive upside. But in terms of, yeah, he's going to be a team player. He's going to uplift his teammates. And if he's uplifting guys like, I don't know, Kunitz and Dupuy and doing it in a way that Crosby did, great. But if he's playing with Cole Caulfield and he's uplifting him, that's even better because he's already phenomenal, mm-hmm. right? So I don't know. I'm totally sold on this kid. I understand that Slavkovsky is phenomenal. Don't get me wrong. I think the hate for him is unjustified. I think he's going to be a phenomenal player. But I just – there's no question in my mind who I would – like it's not – there's no debate. If I have that – if I'm – Kent Hughes, I'm drafting Shane Wright. Like it's it's over. End of discussion. I think it's the best overall choice, especially. <laughs> I mean, it wasn't it wasn't their you know it wasn't their team previously, but uh, you lose Philip Deneau, you lose KK. Uh, fuck, it's it's time to try to reseal that fracture, you know. Um, but just to piggyback on on what you were saying about what he can bring and, you know, to, like, uplift Caulfield. And it's not like you need to uplift that kid's spirits. But uh, one of the final questions in that's brought up in this uh, in this article is uh, uh, what, what, what is he, you know, about bringing his passion to the game or at least to the team, you know, meaning the Montreal Canadiens, obviously. Uh, he's quoted as, I believe that I can bring that winning culture to any room. I know with my passion and my intensity, I'm the guy who's competitive and wants to win every game. Uh, and it goes on a little bit further than that because this fucking kid uh, knows how to knows how to make a fucking headline quote. But uh, I mean, um, I love that. I love that right away. Um, not afraid to go if he goes to Montreal. Not afraid to go to a team that has to refine themselves. I love a guy. I don't even call it cocky. I just love a guy that's confident in himself and has no problem being that positivity to help find, you know, to help turn a team around. And we saw 
how this team turned around once we had a little bit of brightness at the end of this season. I can't imagine what it's going to be like if we get to keep Shane right and he doesn't have to go in the AHL and he gets to play a lot more with us and, and just see what, he, what type of magic he can bring, what kind of spirits and he can uplift with this team. I think you raise a great point there by saying he's not cocky, he's confident. Mm-hmm. And there, I don't like, seriously, when you listen to him speak and he's been saying it since, for a long time now, every, every interview I've seen they, when they've asked him, he'll say, yes, I should go number one, but it's not. It's more humble. It's there's, there's yeah, there's no, it's based off of worth ethic, not look at my numbers. It's, it's just, he, I just work harder. And, oh, and he doesn't ever feel the need to justify it. And that's why I think it's not cockiness. Mm-hmm. He's just simply that confident in his abilities. And like you said, he has not once, you know, that no one ever will, but I th- say that they don't want to play in Montreal or that they're nervous, mm-hmm. but I don't think Shane Wright is at all. I think this excites him. No, yeah, I, I think, think he, I think he absolutely believes that he is going to be a Montreal Canadian. Yeah. He absolutely believes that he is going to be the best pick in his draft. And I don't and that's not cockiness. That's just a confidence in his ability. And I think that thought and that belief mixed in with the work ethic that we've that's we've gonna carry him. That's literally what's been carrying yeah. him. Well, if someone, if someone else starts outperforming him in his draft year, oh my god! You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. That's just going to motivate him. Yeah, like, dude, if this say, I, I don't know how it goes, but say he goes second overall, that kid is going to be. I'm not going to say he's going to be better than he was, but that kid's going to play with an edge because he knows where he, in his mind, believes he should be. If Montreal doesn't draft Shane right first overall, I think I it's a mess. We're, we're the, already in a mess for the next. But for the next twenty years, he's gonna haunt us. He will score. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, he's to gonna him. fucking brick us in. Um, and not some Philip Zadino. We're gonna fill their net with pucks type shit, mm-hmm. and then proceed to play in the AHL. Like, <laughs> I think he's gonna he's gonna be no legit. He, he would have it circled on the calendar. <laughs> it's not cocky. That's just, okay, I'm just going to prove game after game why I was the one to be deserved in that spot. Absolutely. There's a fine line between cocky and confident, and this kid well, is like. If you're a professional kid. athlete, you have to be a little bit cocky, mm-hmm. or you wouldn't be that good. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, I, go ahead. No, 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 that's it. I was just going to say he, uh, like you were saying, he's, he's ready to move on. He's excited. There's, there's not a lot. You don't feel fear. You just feel excitement. And I think that's right. Despite, you know, he wasn't, he didn't have like this mind blowing record making season, but this kid feels like he's way above his league and it's, he knows he's ready for the next big thing. And that's all he can look forward to. Take me first overall and and let me progress into this league and, and become the player that I'm supposed to be or I'm capable of being. Absolutely. Excited for him. Um, I know <clears throat> there's been some rumors circulating about possibly taking the second overall pick, but honestly, with the lack I, of topics, uh, I think that should be best saved for Monday's episode. Uh, maybe try to fill us out a good – a good episode in that. 
Oh, yes, absolutely. But yeah, uh, Mason, if you don't have anything else to say, buddy, uh, I think this is the perfect length of uh, me coming back from uh, <clears throat> holiday. And uh, we can we can close it out. Um, no, I have nothing else um, hockey related to say. I just want to, um, before we end up here, I just want to say that our, you know, our thoughts and prayers go out to the people out in, uh, I don't know how to pronounce you, Valley or in Texas, mm -hmm. the families of um, the victims who were just, I don't on i don't know just m murdered in cold blood yeah. um listen i i i just feel horrible it could just disgust me that mm -hmm. so many young people will never get to uh live their lives and fulfill their potential so my um thoughts and prayers go out to everyone the community family members friends um look concerned parents who live in the u.s look i i my heart and soul go out to you i i can't imagine how you feel and i don't know how else to express because i know it does it just doesn't really matter but i just you know express my sorrow for you i i, I truly cannot imagine and that's just horrific so my thoughts and prayers go out to everyone um who i've named and everyone involved no, that, that is very well put. Um, yes, our condolences, our sympathies. Uh, we are with um, that town. Um, it's it's a tough time, um, especially for any parent, any any child. You know, um, it's just tough. I don't think I can I can go into words any further than that. I think you you hit it. Um, I think you just did it justice. Uh, so we'll leave it at that. I'm sorry. Uh, we are heavy hearted. I did not, we did not mean to leave you guys heavy hearted, but um, we had talked about this in lengths before the episode. Um, and it's just, it's a travesty. Um, but I'm so thankful that Mason was able to, to bring that up and remind us, you know, because that's how, that's how the, you know, that's how they live on is, is in memories and being brought up and, and thought of. And it's, that's all we can do from over here. But um, anyway, I want to thank you guys for listening. Thank y'all so much. Uh, thank y'all for bear withing, bear withing me or whatever the fuck you say it uh, for a late episode. I apologize. I came back late yesterday. Uh, but once again, thank y'all so much. This has been Habs Nightly. You know where to find us on Twitter, Habs Nightly and Bayou Bender. We cannot wait to talk to you guys again soon. I know Mason's kitchen to go watch some hockey. I am as well. We will talk to you guys again. You're listening to the Hockey Podcast Network. New shows every day. Find us at thehockeypodcastnetwork.com or wherever you get your podcasts from.